Hello, everybody. This is Keon Henderson, and welcome to another episode of Take Action with Keon. You know, last week we had a very, 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 in my opinion, touchy, deep, but necessary conversation. We introduced the idea of emotional intelligence, and if you haven't listened to that, I truly recommend that you go back and listen to that one before you listen to this one because they go together. This is part two of our self-knowledge series. And I, I finished off by telling you that you've got to learn how to tune in to how you're feeling. Last thing I said was, there are many things going on right now. Stimuli surrounding you in your immediate environment. And I talked about how sensations are all around you in your body, your thoughts, your feelings, and your mind, of which you probably we're not even consciously aware of. Have you ever been paying attention to the room that you're in, noticing that there are so many more layers and textures than you recognize? Do me a favor. Stop right where you are for a moment. If you're not driving or watching your children, I want you to close your eyes. If you are driving, do this later. Close your eyes. And when you reflect, I want you to reflect on the following questions. What is the temperature in the room? How does it smell? What are you sitting on? Is it comfortable? Do you have any aches and pains in your body? Are your muscles tight? Or are they relaxed? Is your stomach pleasantly full or is it painfully empty? What thoughts have been occupying your mind in the last five minutes? Where has that taken you outside of the room? See, becoming aware and understanding your feelings starts with understanding what's around you and what's inside of you. The self-awareness exercise that we just went through is intended to make you think about how many triggers there are for your feelings, thoughts, and perceptions. See, self-awareness is more than just paying attention thoroughly. It is changing how you pay attention. I wish my mom would have heard that. She would have said, Keon, I tried to teach you that many, many years ago. It's not that you pay attention, it's how you pay attention. Most people will say that they pay attention to things around them, and of course, we do. If only to get things done that we need to do, we pay attention to things that are around us, and usually we perceive things through a sort of tunnel vision, though I, I'm guilty. We, if, we, if, if, we, if we have been uh, chronically unhappy, for instance, we tend to see things through the prism of pain. And with a particular problem in mind, anything that doesn't immediately seem relevant drops out of our field of vision. And I believe that real awareness asks you to turn a switch on, focusing on what's going on inside of you at this very moment. It means spending, suspending, I should say, suspending judgment for a time and putting your goal in the backseat while you describe 
what is actually going on rather than what you think should be happening. I want you to know that there will always probably be a gulf between what you want to happen and what is actually happening. And if you're waiting on the perfect moment to feel good, my friends, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. Sometimes you have to feel fear and do it anyway. Sometimes you have to feel sick and fight through it. I'm not talking about the kind of sickness where emergency help is imminent. But sometimes you have to fight through a hundred degree temperature. Sometimes you have to fight through four hours of sleep. Sometimes you have to grab yourself by the bootstraps and say, you know what? If I get it done today, I'll have time to take off for tomorrow. You see, real awareness will ask you to turn on the switch. I told you it means suspending judgment for a time and putting your goals in the back seat and describe what is actually going on rather than what you think should be happening. You got to be open minded and being open means turning off the switch that really is marked in red highlight autopilot. We talked about that last week. That's what we tend to operate for long periods of time. And this really gives us more vivid senses of our situation. It helps us to notice that the clues which tell us about how others are feeling uh, are reacting to us. It tells us, you know what? I had something to do with that. So you experience things that you may never have noticed when you tune in and dial in. When you become more aware of your reactions, you become more appropriate for the moment. See, mindfulness can transform the way you understand situations and give you many more options of how to react to them. What I'm trying to get you to see and what I had to learn myself is that no matter what's going on, probably nine out of 10 times, you had another option. You got to have accurate self-assessment, which involves knowing your strengths and weakness and limitations. You got to be open to what is happening around you. You got to value feedback from other people. I know this won't be a popular podcast and maybe it will be because I believe that this is the key to the next level. But most people don't want keys. They just want combinations. Having a sense of humor and perspective. You got to have that. The capacity to reflect and learn from other people's experience. And guess what? The great big C word. Being open to change. In the last section that we talked about, we, we, we talked about how to identify uh, and be affected, affected if, if I should say, uh, by risking uh, the operation of our autopilot mechanism. We talked about self-awareness helps us to operate in a conscious and non-judgmental state. Um, but we also need to limit autopilot behavior for another reason. And I want to share that with you right now, because doing this opens up the way for you to experience something that uh, you may not be aware of before. You see, our, our reactions um, are often based on significant events and, and interactions of our past. And, and one thing that I know uh, at 36 years old, that uh, our past models have shaped our behaviors. There's no way around that. Your past shapes how you feel. Your past shapes what options you take. Your, your past determines what well you draw from. Your past uh, shows you how to deal with situations. Uh, your past even determines how you deal with new situations because you could have a new situation, but if you have an old paradigm, you will deal with the new thing the way you dealt with the old thing. 
I often like to say that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And that's a true statement. See, mindfulness and being aware of what is going on around you helps you to stop. It helps you to stop from going into autopilot so quick. And it opens you up for new possibilities. Is it not possible that there is another way to think about what you currently think about? Is it possible that there is another way to react? Is it possible that there is another way to respond? Is, that, is it possible that you can watch a news site that you don't agree with just to find out what somebody else in the world thinks? I, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you some options. Is it possible? Is it possible to change old behaviors that didn't achieve what you wanted the first time? Or is it possible to find different ways to react that will make other people respond positive, positively to you? And is it possible not to just say all the time, well, this is just the way I am and you're just going to have to take it? I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you options. Would you describe yourself as an optimist or a pessimist? And people differ in how they describe themselves because they have different expectations about the future. But take the achievement of a personal goal and the benefit that you will, that you will accomplish. Because see, an optimist uh, is generally confident about the future. But see, a pessimist is really doubtful, often hesitant, and perhaps cynical about the future. Which one are you? Are you confident about tomorrow or are you the kind of person that says, I don't know, maybe, we'll see. Some people believe that having no expectation means having no disappointment. And what I've learned is that past disappointments really lead to future fears. Most people are afraid of tomorrow because of what they didn't overcome yesterday. You've got to kill yesterday so that you can live in tomorrow because tomorrow's not asking about yesterday. And yesterday doesn't have the ability to affect tomorrow. I believe that optimism is better than pessimism. Yes, it is opinion, but I believe I'm right about that. Research in the field as it relates to optimism and pessimism, positive psychology has found that many, many things are advantageous on taking an optimistic perspective. Here is something that I learned uh, by an author named David Walton. He said that optimists adapt better when they experience negative life events. For example, they have better survival and recovery rates from coronary bypass surgeries, bone marrow transplants, breast cancer, and even HIV and the AIDS virus. He says that they experience less distress when dealing with difficulties in their lives, resulting in lower rates of depression and anxiety. Mr. David Walton says that optimism is a valuable framework when coping with problems. He says it is conducive to humor and identifying possibilities and visualizing the problem differently. He says as it's a great coping skill as it enables you to accept the inevitable and learn for future events. He says it's more effective at coping with hardship than an optimistic, excuse me, a pessimistic perspective. 
He says that optimistic people stick their heads in the sand less than pessimists, perhaps surprisingly. They respond to health warnings more quick, catch serious problems more early than pessimists who often try to distance themselves from the problem. Have you ever had somebody who was sick and they kept putting it off, thinking that putting it off would make it go away, only to find themselves in the third or fourth stage of a cancer that they could have caught when they felt that first pain? Optimists appear to have greater stickability, he says, than pessimists who perhaps anticipate failure and give up more quickly. Lastly, he says, optimists assume um, that things are going to be more flexible and they are flexible in their responses. Now, is there a downside to optimistic people? Well, depends on how you look at it. Optimists can sometimes downplay risk with the result that they are more likely to participate in dangerous activities. See, me personally, I'm not sure how many pessimists are likely to go bungee jumping or jump out of a plane or do one of my favorite things to do at water parks. Parks. You ever go to that slide and it has the uh, fiberglass uh, floor beneath it and it drops and you go flying down? I love it. I love the thrill. Perhaps we would be better off with a mix of pessimism and optimism. I'm not sure. In dealing with others, however, your emotional intelligence is much more a characteristic of optimism than pessimism. Now there are, in my assumption, a number of strategies to counter um, a pessimistic thinking style. You know, a key strategy is to work on the way we explain the causes and influences of positive and negative events. Right. So the three explanations for optimism, there are three which illustrate the way optimists differ uh, from pessimists and, and how we relate to whether the events in our life are construed as permanent or temporary and uh, uh, specific or internal or external or whatever you want to call it. Um, but here's here's a few examples of, of different outlooks that uh, that that optimism can generate. Number one, setbacks can be. Uh, seen by low optimism people as permanent, all pervasive and personal. You ever saw or seen people who just take everything personal? You know, um, high optimism, uh, high optimistic people uh, see things as temporary, specific to the situation and caused by external events. To people who are optimistic, they know that nothing lasts forever. Success is seen by low optimism people as temporary, specific to the situation and rooted in external factors. It is seen by high optimism people as permanent, having widespread significance and deriving from people who are involved. So here's the long term issues such as difficulty making presentations are explained by low optimism people as they'll say things like I always find presentations difficult. You ever heard that? I don't like speaking in front of people. They are explained by high optimism. People ask, I sometimes find presentations a bit tough, but I can get through it. You see the difference? I dislike handling awkward situations. That's the pessimist. The optimist? I didn't handle that situation well, but the next time I'll do better. Pessimist? This is an easy product to sell. Optimistic people, I've really been putting in the extra effort. You see, there's a difference 
in our perspective and how we speak. Positive psychologist uh, Martin, and I hope that I'm saying the name right, is Shilgman. He argues that we can acquire learned optimism, mitigating the negative impact of a more pessimistic attitude by challenging the way we think about things. He goes on to say that he believes that psychology should explore strengths as well as weaknesses. Having worked extensively with depressed patients, he says, who had acquired what he believed as learned helplessness, he went on to develop his concept of learned optimism. I was amazed when I read the words learned helplessness. Does that term strike a chord with you? Have you ever come across a mindset that would make you challenge your own pessimistic thinking? That perhaps you learned to be negative? You learned to be lazy? You learned not to trust people? That maybe the person can be trusted, but somewhere in your life you learned this helplessness. And, and if, if you would just indulge me for something that you think negatively about at this moment, can I ask you, what evidence is there for your negative behavior and thoughts? Is that pessimistic thinking related to what just happened or past events? And really, here's the next question. Have things changed now? Can you find an alternative explanation or other evidence for the situation? Even if there is no positive explanation, does it even really matter if there is one? What are, what are the implications if you argue and you are right? What's the prize? What will you win? Who will you damage? And if you can't find an optimistic explanation for the cause, which perspective would you be more helpful for your mood? Just some questions. Optimism, ladies and gentlemen, involves accurate self-awareness and the ability to take control over your own anxieties, over your own rejection, over your own frustration, over your own insecurities, and to manage your interactions with people in a way which lessens stress rather than succumbs to it. Pessimistic people are less likely to have these characteristics. And guess what? Unlike optimists, they also tend to see causes as widespread or even universal, permanent, and often resulting from internal weakness. I challenge you to look in the mirror and to begin to speak to yourself and to boost that self-confidence and that self-esteem. I want you to hold a high opinion of yourself. I want you to know that every time you open your mouth, somebody is listening. And I want you to know that you have much to say. I don't want you comparing yourself to other people. I don't want you to put yourself down. There may be someone listening to me that's overweight. And the way you deal with being overweight is that you often make it the topic of discussion before somebody else says anything. I want you to stop it. Get into the habit of thinking and saying positive things about yourself even if nobody else does. And guess what? This is a huge one. I want you to learn how to accept compliments. And here's one, you are dynamic. Here's two, you are fantastic. 
Here is three. There are a lot of people who wish they were you while you are wishing you were somebody else. I want you to use self-help books and websites to help you to change your belief. I'm not being arrogant, but I want you to go to my YouTube channel and I want you to listen to some of the sermons I have up. One of them called The Pressure of Being Gifted that has been viewed almost 400,000 times online. I want you to spend time with positive and supporting people. I want you to listen to podcasts like this one and other ones. I want you to acknowledge your positive qualities and things that you are good at. I want you to be assertive and don't allow anybody to treat you with a lack of respect. I want you to be helpful and considerate of others. I want you to engage in work and hobbies that you enjoy. If you don't like the way you look, I want you to work out. If you like the way you look, then I want you to stay that way. I want you to be healthy. I want you to eat right. Be not deceived, Ephesians 6 and 7. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. That's not just a biblical scripture that has something to do with finances. Whatever you put in the earth is what you will get back. I want you to have a purpose and a direction. I want you to have strong emotions about yourself. I don't want you arrogant, but I want you confident. And I believe that if you act purposefully, that you can achieve anything you put your mind to. I believe if you learn to express your emotions and learn to control your moods, I believe that you can go higher than you ever thought you could go. I believe that you're honest with yourself and you have positive experiences and emotions, you are likely to have better relationships. And I believe when you have better relationships, others will think well of you. And I want you to expect to be accepted by other people. And I want you to expect positive things. And I want you to aspire to higher heights. And I don't want you to be afraid of others' reactions to you. And I want you to work harder than everybody else. And I want you to demand higher standards. And I want you to feel comfortable around talented people. And I don't want you to feel that you're less than because somebody else is great. Whenever you're in the room with somebody great, instead of feeling less than, I want you to say, I'm great because greatness does not run in packs. It runs alone. And whenever you find greatness, you ought to be excited. It's as rare as a lion running a across another lion in the open Serengeti. I want you to be comfortable with defending yourself against negative comments around other people. I want you to expect rejection. I want you to overcome disapproval. I want you to raise up your expectations and I want you to thrive in the midst of negativity. I want you to be sensitive, but I don't want you to be overly sensitive. I want you to scrutinize, but I don't want you to overly scrutinize yourself. I want you to work hard, but I don't want you to work dumb. I want you to work smart. I don't want you to be more demanding of people than you are of yourself. I don't want you threatened easily. I don't want you under the influence of people who want to use you and misuse you. I don't want you to fit in. I don't want you to be general. I want you to filter out that which should not be. I want you to discount non-positive comments. I want you to excuse yourself from being out of balance and bring balance back into your life. And I don't want you jumping to conclusions. I want you to manage your problems. I don't want you to be judge judgmental. I don't want you to be stereotypical. I want you to stand out. And all of this will help you to relieve yourself from stress because stress is the enemy of your joy. So I want you to get yourself together because you've got too much to do. As the old church person would say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. This has been another episode of Take Action with Keon. This one you need to do today. I'll see you next week. Friends and colleagues, it's time to take action and subscribe to this podcast. 
Follow Kian Henderson on social media at Pastor Kian. Visit the website daily for lifestyle, leadership, and learning at kianhenderson.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep doing life.